0: art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today I am super excited, over the moon, some might say, to welcome my next guest, a Baltimore-based writer whose work explores the complexities of Black love, and she is the founder of Zora's Den, a community and support group for Black women writers. Please welcome Victoria Adams-Kennedy. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about the uh, what's going on with writing, um, the writing community in Baltimore and my baby, Zora's Den.
0: Love, love to hear it. And you probably noticed all the flourish I tried to give in an introduction. So, yes. uh, I gave you the real introduction. <laughs> I, I didn't have
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> so, um, uh, again, thank you for, for coming on to the show and it is great to have you here. And, um, you know, for for starters, you know, knowing that you come from an artistic family, can you tell us a bit more about your background and sort of your first experience with art, writing, creativity? Um, speak on that a little bit.
1: Okay, so that means we're going way back. When you start talking about an artistic family, if it's family, that means they've been with you your whole life. And so uh, that being the case, I do have a lot of creative and artistic people in my family. Some of them very well known and some of them you will never know because (laughs) it's just who they are and the things that we do when we're together that would give any indication that, oh, okay, they're a little different. So it's just uh, my life. But when it comes to creatives or artists that people would know, I would start with my younger brother, Derek Adams, who's a world-renowned artist Um, in Right now, he's everywhere, um, but he's still little world to me. (laughs) And and so other than Derek, um, my son, Lawrence. uh, Bernie is a writer with the Baltimore Banner, and and, in addition to other publications he's written for over the years. Um, I have a granddaughter who's a very gifted painter, um, and she's a senior at Baltimore School for the Arts this year, and she's going to be going to college in New York. She she got into her dream school. Um, and so I'm happy about that. I have a daughter who's a makeup artist and an exceptional vocalist. So it's like we're all over the place in music, yeah. uh, in art. So we have a lot of singers and musicians and artists. So needless to say, our family gatherings can be very colorful <laughs> and, and a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I like uh, that. Yeah, so... Um, I'm not the only person who's a writer. I'm, I'm a vocalist. I'm a, you know, I, we do a little bit of everything, honestly. Yeah, do a little bit of everything. Yeah.
0: Um, thank you. I, I'm finding that more and more folks that I'm interviewing and, and maybe it's sort of, you know, where my interests are, are going as to who I'm reaching out to and who I'm, you know, wanting to have a conversation with and who is just really interesting to me. Yeah. I think it's more and more folks are sort of like, um, like creative polymaths. Like, it's uh-huh. like, I do a bit of everything, you know, and all I do is this. That's, that's literally, it's a lie, but all I do is this. That's, that's literally. And,
1: and, and sometimes, sometimes that's good. You heard that old saying. Uh, uh, you know, when you're the the master of none, like you you yeah. you're in, you're in everything. But I forgot that saying. Of course, I can't think of it. The jack um, of all trades. Yes, a master of none. So the the thing is, to one thing that is kind of impressed upon us uh, in my family, starting from a young age, it's like whatever your interests are, they are encouraged. Mm. And so not everybody gets that. Um, you know, not all families are like that. But it's like oh, I want to do this. Okay, well, you do that. like, where can you go to, to to be the best you can be at it? Or where can you go to find out if that's something you want to explore further? It's that kind of energy that, like, I'm going to put you on the path to find out this is what you really want to do. And if you don't, guess what? You can do something else. So, you know, and that kind of takes the pressure off and allows you to explore the things that appeal to you. And I know that that's a blessing.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like, I, I had a, um, I never met him. He, he passed before I was born, but mm-hmm. I had an uncle who was like the artist in the family. And uh-huh. then when I took an interest in, uh, I wanted to be a, um, an illustrator, that uh-huh. was kind of that first thing for me. And of course it was just like color pencils, markers, color, you know, art books, all of the stuff. And then, you know, I just had one of those sort of, um, those w- sort of instances where, it just I lost interest in it, and uh-huh. you know, you, you know, you, I think when people are young and they are exploring creativity, it's a very gentle time. I think you know, yeah. if you get like a bad piece of criticism, I got a bad piece of criticism, which kind of shifted gears for me. Yes. But um, but definitely being in a family where it's like it's not a lot of creatives, unlike yours, a lot of creatives in yours, but um, that you know, you're kind of getting that support. That's very, very important. I still have. A lot of I still have the color pencils, I still have the hardware. I was books. gonna
1: say I was gonna say don't don't be too quick to dismiss that because sometimes not now does not mean never. Mm. So that's something that might come in handy during some kind of exploration in your life. Something you could be doing and taking as idle time and the interest is still there. It's just uh underneath that criticism because yeah. it's like when I was a, a child, it started with singing like something that came very naturally just to the natural talent for singing without any thought of like training or any kind of vocal training just singing because that's what you like to do my grandmother my maternal grandmother was a singer yeah. and so it's just a, it was a natural thing but the first thing on paper was poetry and it was as a result of a school assignment and as and to be honest, I hadn't really studied for what I was supposed to do, and so it was almost like finding out the con- the the connection between singing and poetry, yeah. like lyrics and poetry the The similarity between the two was like songs are like poetry to music, and so I was thinking about like how I could work the words I could use to describe what I was supposed to be doing in this assignment, and it ended up being a poem. <laughs> it ended up being a poem that, like, rushed out of me in 15 minutes. And I was like, hmm, this is not bad. But <laughs> what made it even better was that was, like, close to summer, and I had an uncle uh, from New York who came down to visit, and he was a poet. He was, like, a a, a poet during, like, the Civil Rights Movement. And so, <laughs> when, when, he w- when he was told that oh, I think he's writing poetry now. It's like, mm, let me see what you got. So that's what I'm talking about. It's like, you never know what the next step is going to be, where it's going to jump to. And yeah. so that started like a correspondence between the two of us after he went back home to New York and he encouraged me to send my poetry to him for him to critique it. He would mark it, send it back to me. And, you know, that was like the coolest thing. And so that right there was something that, Influenced his direct bloodline because Mm. that uncle is the father of DJ (laughs) Run, Run DMC. Wow. Wow. (laughs) He is my grandmother's baby brother. (laughs) Wow.
0: I mean, having that critique. I mean, if you really would be looking at what's in the mail, what's in the oh, mail? it was the
1: coolest. It was the coolest.
0: <laughs> that's that's really that's really dope. Um, yeah, and and I think one of the reasons why I kind of start off with sort of that what are the origins around creativity and things of that nature for an individual for for a guest on here because I think you're right. I think a lot of the stuff that you don't get rid of pieces of yourself. You you right. may come back to it in a different way. And, you know, I did come back to it, you know, in, in a different way as a more writing, more the strategy behind doing a comic book. So you're absolutely right. And I see it right here. And I think having these conversations with folks, as many as I've had. Um, I've been saying this more and more recently, that I'm just a thief. I'm just a gentleman thief. Anything that you guys say that's creative and interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Victoria Adams Kennedy said this, and I can sound like I know something.
1: Sounds like a writer to me. Yes,
0: it does. Yes, it does.
1: (laughs) It sounds like a writer to me. You never know what's down the road.
0: Uh, So. So speaking of which, um, let, let's let's kind of let's kind of shift gears a little bit into um, writing. And if you will, could you describe your your writing process? Um, how you craft characters and stories? And it's a couple bullet points, but I at least want to like start off like there as far as the introductory piece to you as a writer.
1: Okay, okay. Um, for me, with each project, it's different. Sometimes it could start with something as simple as a a title. And I don't know how the title is going to apply to a story, how it's going to play into uh, or even if it's going to stay, if it's going to stick. But just the wording in the title will sometimes inspire a story. And sometimes it starts with characters. There could be someone you see on the street or someone you grew up around and there may be something about them that's distinctive, something that stands out the way they walk or the way they talk or their gestures the way they use their hands when they talk. And it's like, even without realizing it, sometimes you're storing those little details (laughs) for future use. And most writers are like great at eavesdropping. So sometimes a line of dialogue might inspire a whole story or at least a scene in a story. And you're wondering how that could play into like something bigger or if it's meant to be something bigger. Is it meant to be a small piece, a short story, or is it is it a poem if you, if you have a, a gift for writing poetry? Yeah. So it could be as simple as that, uh, starting with one element and then building off that element. As a matter of fact, I keep notes in my phone, the notes app in my phone. I have like a list of names I hear. It could be a street name. I could be sitting at a light and look at the street name. It's like, hmm, this would be a really good last name or... Uh, of all places to go, if you're in a cemetery, <laughs> if you're in a cemetery, sometimes you'll see interesting names on, on headstones. Yes, you will. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> you'll see um interesting names on headstones. And so that's when you're thinking about character, because sometimes you just like a character's name for how it sounds. Yeah. And then sometimes you want to pick a character's name for what it means. And how it relates to the story. So little things like that. But as far as like my writing practice, sure. I'm usually I'm usually a, a night writer, and that practice started from when my children were young, and I would do it to work out my insomnia, and they would be asleep, and so there were no distractions. Uh, that was my time. So to this day, my my children are grown. I'm always up at night. I have to get up and work a regular nine to five and I'm still up at 3.30 writing. Like, why am I doing this to myself? And, but it's like, I can't turn it off. And the times when I've been on vacation or have long stretches of time when I could like set up writing time during the day, I'm so accustomed to writing at night that I can't turn it on in the day just because I have free time to do it. It's like the, the ideas won't even start coming until nighttime. <laughs> um, it's like I have this whole day stretched out ahead of me and not one thought will come to me unless I'm at work and not in a creative environment at all. Mm-hmm. All kinds of ideas come to me. And I always have to keep a notepad in my bag to start scribbling down lines of dialogue that come to me or a scene that comes to me. And then when I get home, transcribe it when I'm up at two, three o'clock in the morning, like a crazy person.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's a, it's a version of that there for me. And um, yeah, I always try to keep, um, either I'll have the notes app and I've been trying to be more uh, mindful of having something analog on me, like a notepad or mm-hmm. something, because mm-hmm. I like to keep those imperfections in there of, let me, why did I scratch this out? Whereas if I'm in the app, I'm gonna delete it and that whole yes. the thinking that's there is gone. Um, and another comment I want to make, and and again, thank you for, for sharing it, because that's very, you answered like three of the questions I had there. To oh, blo- I? So shout out to you. Oh yeah, uh, I'm a chatterbox. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it's it's a better conversation than uh, me just, hey, Paul. here's a question. But um, I'm also a night Rider, but in a different way. Uh, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, went to City College, um, Baltimore City College High School, and, um, you know, grew up in Lafayette Project. Well, it's like five. My son you, went but.
1: to City. <laughs> that's
0: not the city too <laughs> so so they had this uh sort of like literary thing they were doing there called night riders uh-huh. and um i wrote a story um about just something i experienced uh, when we were you know living in projects in the early 90s mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i remember i had this this teacher who was like from massachusetts and she's like oh my god that's so interesting such a great like fictional story i was like that is factual this, <laughs> this happened this was not fiction <laughs>
1: <laughs> that reminds me of classes in, uh, in graduate school. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm not gonna jump ahead of you and talk about the formation of Zora's Den, but when we come to that, I'm gonna pull this back out because it was very influential in me finding the need for it. Is people not taking your things, your experiences as, as factual or mm-hmm. something that's realistic because it's not their reality? And it would make the experience a little less fulfilling than, than it could be if the validation, like, especially when you're learning, when you're in the beginning of learning how to be the best at your craft. Sure. And, and you have like this disbelief, like, this is not uh, believable because of this right here, it happened. And that's like, but guess what? It's based on something that really did happen. So I can relate to that. I can relate.
0: See, here, here's the thing. This is this is how I know you've done an interview or two in your day, because we're actually at the Zora's Den question. So is, it's, like, it's a nice segue. That's why I didn't even stop you. I was, perfect like, segue. I was like, I'm going to let you roll with it. I'm going to let you rock with it. So I'm going to say it really goofy. Can you elaborate on the motivation behind founding Zora's Den and yes. the uh, yes. the effect it has had on um, you know Black women in the writing community?
1: Okay, great. So I'll back it up just a little. The seed was planted for Zora's Den while I was in uh, undergrad, and I was at the University of Baltimore uh, in their English slash creative writing program. But um, in undergrad, and I think I was in a Black arts movement, a class about the Black arts movement, and the professor was talking about, like, all the different women writers during that time who were instrumental in, like, contributing to the movement and it's like he was pulling out all these names that I was familiar with and and you know the the uh the the well-known women and then it like a light bulb turned on because I already knew about Zora Neale Hurston and the Harlem Renaissance and so I was thinking about the black women who were an integral part of that movement and so I thought about how this was all connected how these Black women writers were connected in like helping to carry these big movements and they weren't always the ones getting the most of the spotlight. And so I was like, that would be really cool when I saw a picture like of a group of the Black women who were like in the uh, Black arts movement and seeing the picture of like Sonia Sanchez and Alice Walker and all this, like they all knew each other. And it's like, that would be so cool to have a group now that will reflect who the next people are going to be, that people are going to say, oh, I I remember them, or they wrote this, or they were colleagues, they knew each other, or, you know, they were friends. And it's like, we need something like that now, where we are more about community than competition. And so just looking for the kind of community I needed for me, and I didn't find it for me, not saying it wasn't out there for anyone else, but I wasn't familiar with one that was within my reach. And so it's like, I'm going to plan for this. And I didn't have any immediate plans. I, I was in a conversation with my brother and we were talking about this, about me doing this. And I was thinking of it in terms of a physical location, something that could be a place where writers could come give talks, maybe buy a book or two or some merchandise and, you know, have readings. And he's like, You should name it Zora's Den, because he already knew I was a big fan of Zora Neale Hurston. And I was like, that's a really cool name. He was like, yeah, you should name it Zora's Den. And I was like, yeah, that's really cool. So I went ahead and I paid for the domain. I hadn't even started the website. I paid for the domain. And so fast forward through undergrad, through graduate school, and I put a post in Facebook it was at the end of the year, 2016. And I was saying what I wanted for the new year mm-hmm. and just stopping shy of calling it a resolution. I was like, going forward, I want to identify my community of women writers and put everything that I was looking for. And, you know, that's what I want to do moving forward. And how these people come on the post saying I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And it's like, before I knew it, there were like 20 some people saying I'm in. And I'm like, I mean, what? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> like, I'm not even putting the two together at that point that this could be the beginning of this. And one of my good friends, um, Melissa Brooks-Coffee, she called and she's a writer and we went to grad school together. And she said, do you think this could be the beginning of Zora's Den? I was like, I never thought of it, but maybe it is. And I was like, in January of 2017, I went ahead and created the private group on Facebook and invited every one of those people who said I'm in, and that was it. And it was the need for it came out of being in spaces where not everybody was going to appreciate the black perspective. Yeah. Not saying that we're monolithic, of course. We're we're black, but everybody has like a different way of thinking. Or but it was about connecting more over our similarities and our differences, and just seeing the need for the community to, because it was like, I feel like it, there's strength in numbers, like the saying goes, there's strength in numbers. So if we could get that part right in supporting each other and having somewhere to come to and talk about our experiences like out there, like what's going on, what we got rejected from or what we have to celebrate. It's not always about commiserating over things that went wrong. Sometimes you want a place with people you could come back and celebrate and know the significance of why the celebration is so real and why the need for celebration is so real. And also to not have to explain every cultural reference and break it down, (laughs) it's like, oh, that means this right here. It's like, by the time you finish explaining it, the the punchline is gone if it's meant to be funny or the significance of it has passed because you had to pause to say, why it was significant. So, okay. yeah, though that that was the impetus behind Foreman Zor's Den. It's been since January 2017. Uh, the community is growing. Um, it went from that 22 people who first started it to almost 400, nice. almost 400. And I know that a lot of writers who have groups on social media like that, they have hundreds and thousands of people following them, but The thing that I like about the number for Zora's Den is that these are the writers. These are not the people who are reading our stuff. These are writers, every level of accomplishment. We have uh, people as broad and well-known as like A'Lelia Bundles, who's Madam C.J. Walker's granddaughter, who's a member of Zora's Den. And you might have somebody who just writes in a journal. Right. Every night, and it's like as long as you identify as a black woman who's a writer, you're welcome to be a part of Zora's Dead. So that that's that's my that's that's my my thing that I want to keep nurturing because it becomes something different every day with every little thing you put in it or take away. It morphs into what it needs to be to meet the purpose it was uh, created for.
0: I love that, and thank you, thank you for walking us through that. And again, you know, being an overachiever here, that's like four of my other questions that are just gone, just <laughs> poof. So, so thank you, thank you, for making my job easy here. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I, I think, like, and this is not the same, but I think it, it does align in some ways where. When there's something, whatever the, the thing might be, for some people that may be, I really like tacos, but there are no tacos in this city. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, I know how to make a taco. I'm going to make my own restaurant around and want will at least move in that direction to kind of fill that need or what have you and make a community of other people who are like-minded. And, right. you know, some people kind of approach that or, or even this, um, this, this podcast that – you know, I started it as I don't like people talking we- weird about Baltimore. You know, as I was telling you a little bit before we got started about just being so defensive about it. And literally, I can say it badly or I can do the artist statement version of it. But in, in essence, Rob got tight about Trump talking about Baltimore. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to talk to artists here to disprove this idiot's point. <laughs> That's really the, the, the motivation behind it. And I think that feeling. And maybe going from that initial 22 to growing it to where it's at now, it feels very similar to having the story that I, that I had uh, when I was talking with one of my marketing friends. I was like, you know, how many people do you think I can get? You know, who do you think I should talk to? And so on. Does this have legs? And she was like, I'd be surprised if you could find 20 people. You know, <laughs> sort of that idea of there's nobody that's oh, created in Baltimore. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. And then. I took it as a challenge because, you know, of course, uh-huh. I'm just going to take it as a challenge. Uh-huh. Tell me now uh-huh. I'm going to do it twice. And now being able to get into some of these other spots and be able to talk to some of the, you know, people who are emerging, people who it's like, man, I sketched on something one time. I like it. You should come on a podcast or people who are doing really great, big and interesting work. So mm-hmm. I definitely see that sort of correlation there.
1: Yes. I. But I have a cousin who has a, a shop here in Fell's Point. His name is Arve Adams. I don't know if you know Arve. I've interviewed so, him. <laughs> so, so you can already see there's a lot of us, right? So, his T-shirt that says "That's okay, Baltimore doesn't like you either." Yes. Like I love that shirt, and I keep saying you have to put one on the side for me. Don't tell me you have one.
0: <laughs> he, he, no, I, I have. He did a hat for me. He did a chain stitch hat for me, and. Um, I have a ridiculous jersey that I um, wore to a art talk that I think that talk I was telling you about before um, before uh-huh. we got started. And it's an Orioles jersey, you know, so he does his thing with it. And I was calling myself, I give myself my own nicknames. So I'm just letting uh-huh. you know it's ridiculous, but I do it. And on the back of the jersey, it just says Wave Daddy. And uh-huh. I, I went there. I went there to uh, look, Last Resort Arts Retreat, picked it up from him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I was like, yo, I'm going to wear this. I'm wearing this every day he's like that's what it's for bro that's what it's for so it's like yeah i definitely am familiar yeah, i
1: gotta got get the t-shirt with baltimore doesn't like you either i love that shirt it's
0: a fire <laughs> shirt
1: only we would get it people who are from baltimore we would be the ones who get it it's like yeah because we have to hear the, the the criticism on on our accents uh, you know, how many times are we going to have to see two spelled T-E-W, oh, uh, no. you know, all the, all the things that people are talking about, how ugly the accent is. And it's like, hold up.
0: <laughs> I, and the thing is, like, yeah. I've, I had some people, um, who are from here because I don't really have it. There's certain uh-huh, words uh-huh. that come out. Yes. Like, I definitely say two, orange uh-huh. is another one. I really have to work hard not to sound. Yes. And <laughs> And I had a few people like, yo, I don't know if you're from Baltimore, bro. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, you don't sound like you're one of us. I was like, look, i I'm, I went to City College, bro. I went to Morgan. Yes. Like, what do you want? I
1: had I have people who say stuff like that to me, and I was like, We're not all we're not all uh the exact same person. But you know, we don't all have to sound exactly alike, but believe me, it's a, this is where I'm from. This is not one of those places you're gonna say you're from if you're not. Uh,
0: <laughs> the baltimore accent is not monolithic
1: <laughs> no it is not not at all so you might you might hear a little more seasoning on one word than the other depending on who you're talking to
0: <laughs> i love that i say that saying that you might get a little bit more seasoned i do the sprinkling yeah. motion all of it, that yeah,
1: it's, it depends on who you're talking to and it's like uh if i run into one of my childhood friends there's no telling what words might come out of me i haven't seen them in so long it's like before you even know it, you slipped back into that, and yeah. So, yeah, we are we are who we are.
0: One hundred percent. So, so I got a I got a few more questions for you um, before we get okay. to those those rapid fire questions that everyone gets. Everyone's got to get them. Uh, so, I, I, so I read about the the fire inside. That's an anthology, right? Yes. Um,
1: we we put out two. Uh, that's that's put out from uh, Zora's Den. And we've put in, I keep coming up with these ideas, like I'm just going to morph into like three more people that's going to make stuff happen. <laughs> uh, and I've, I've had some great people along the way, Um, you know, hook up with me to, to bring it to fruition. Um, I named uh, one who was at the beginning when I started and uh, uh, Clintia Burton is another one, great writer Um, who is a, uh, She's, you know, awesome as a writer and an editor. And so she really was very helpful. Um, Plenty of Burton Graham, let me add that on. Uh, So we uh, put out two anthologies. We did one a couple of years ago. And the second one just came out in November of 22. And it's called The Fire Inside. And it's volume one and volume two. Um, And we'll soon be opening submissions for the third one. Uh, But The Fire Inside is meant to uh, be a nod to Zora Neale Hurston and uh, her fiery spirit and her nonconformist attitude um, about her writing and just being authentic in herself. And so we picked that title because we wanted the writing in it to be reflective of that, that fiery spirit. And You know, there are more different kinds of ways to burn, so it doesn't always have to be an all-consuming fire. Sometimes it's going to be a slow burn, but uh, more than anything, it's like that fire. It's like you know it if you know it, and there's really no way to explain it. And the same way we know it when we read the submissions that come in, and it's like this has it right here. Or, you know, and it could be the deciding factor over whether it gets picked or not, depending on, you know, whatever else made the cut. Um, but yes, that's what the fire inside is all about.
0: I hear you. I love it. I love it. And it kind of brings this sort of second question up, like, you know, at the end of the day, what are some of the, the themes or some of the, the the writers or even like folks who are contributing outside of the writing component, but contributing to like um, Zora's Den or even the fire inside? Like what are sort of those themes, those traits that you're looking for that, you know, makes that makes something that fits, that makes sort of that connection fits?
1: You mean in the work that's being submitted and yes. accepted in the books? Yes. Okay. So... It could be something that's very passionate about a cause. It could be a piece that speaks about a cause or a movement. It could be something that um, really speaks to like uh, themes within the family. Yeah. If you have something that that really burns or something that's been passed down generational things that you really would like to uh, exercise from the family, uh, things like that that need to be written about and read about for people to you know to read about we have our traditions um that are exclusive to black families and even in relationships with black love being at the forefront in and of itself is like a revolutionary thing and for me personally as a writer that's like that is like my why um, I write the things that I do write because of the revolutionary aspect of black la- black love. And so it spills over into that because like in, in the tradition of Zora Neale Hurston, when she wrote about community, the way she knew community, people, the way she grew up knowing people, even when it wasn't like the pretty things or things that you would hide when company came around, she would be like raw with it. And it's like, I'm going to write about it the way it is. And no, it's not always going to be popular. It's not always going to come across as sounding uh, perfect or flowery, but real. And uh, and of course, like you were talking about us not being a monolith, that's the same in our writing. Different yeah. writers have different styles. So where one person might write about it in dialect, another person might write about it in something that's much more flowery. But the main thing is getting the message across that's going to resonate with Whoever reads it, and just like with Zora's work, and just like with Toni Morrison's work, or any other of the other Black women writers who have written really powerful work, other people outside of our community will benefit from mm-hmm. reading it because of the universality of the message. Right. It's like if you're human, there's going to be a human, human theme in it that you'll, if you're open-minded enough to accept it and see it for what it is you'll know that it's not just for us but it's told as only we could tell it and so and that's the the reason why is it time for a segue yet
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's time for a segue please segue
1: <laughs> my segue is our reading series called in our own words Yeah. Um, when we started that that was the importance of of us telling our stories in our own words yeah. and Now, it's a monthly thing where we're usually meeting at the U.B. Blake Cultural Center. Um, The third Thursday of every month is when we gather. And each time we have four different Black women writers, it could be poets, uh, fiction writers, memoirs, like all the genres. And that's what makes it really special. Every time you bring a different combination of women together, you get something with a different kind of power, a different kind of feel Every time, depending on what they're coming together to read and always tell people, because most of the time the audience is made up of women. It's like, guys, don't be afraid. <laughs> like, Come sit around the fire. Like you come get warmed by this fire. Right. The writers are black women. The, the listeners don't have to be. <laughs> it's like it's for everybody to come out and listen and support and just listen to the stories coming from these sisters, because. They have some validity, and you're going to see something of, if not yourself, of the women in your lives, in your families. Um, you might see some elements of grandma or, you know, an auntie or, or a sister. You never know. And they're not only writing about women, yeah. but they're writing about relationship and just as varied as any other writers, but it's got that, that seasoning on it that's going to <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's going to make it different and make it, make it not really like the only way it's unusual, it makes it special because of the authenticity. Yeah, And so that's why it's called In Our Own Words. And that's what I love about it. And this month, we're going to be, well, it'll be on the 16th, which is a Thursday, uh, our second time featuring men writers. So before COVID struck, in 2019, February 2019, we did a In His Own Words special and said, every because it went off so well, it's like every February we should do it In His Own Words and show some love for the brothers, right? And so now we're resuming it this year. And so February 16th, the third Thursday of the month, we're going to have four Black men writers come and read their work for the audience gathering. And it's funny because I don't know if it's going to be like last time, but why do we have like the biggest crowd? The, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hold on. like, wait a minute. I don't know how I feel about this.
0: I like, can come to the other ones. Like, what are you guys people? doing?
1: <laughs> exactly. How are we going to have more people come for the men than the women who are here every month? And so we'll see how that goes. But um yeah that that's another way that we try to just put a spotlight on community and how important it is for us to be supportive of each other, because we're not going to be like the main group that's going to get the most shine. Yeah. But one other thing that I would like to stress is that allies are important to us too. So yeah. we know that it's not a black world, you know, we have to function and be a, uh, allies with other groups of people the same way we are in real life and so that's how it is with Zora's then not only black people are the ones sitting in in the audience listening to these writers I uh, we have people who come from all over Baltimore we have people who've come in town from D.C. uh to come here what what the writers are are you know reading about that day and if any of the writers come from out of town sometimes they bring people with them so it's helping to spread the word about Zor's Den, and eventually I would like to take the readings on the road. you know, it. take the readings on the road uh, whether it'll be a, in our own words in Philly or New Jersey or somewhere and you know, and then eventually branch out further, but you know start close by, start along start on the east. And so yeah, that's one of that's one of the things I have planned.
0: Yeah, letting us know what's what's coming forth. So yes, I love it. Yes, just a little. <laughs> just 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 a you know a little bit, not too much, not too much. Yeah, you
1: know. just a little.
0: So I think I think that's actually, you know, where we're at there. I think that's a good spot for us to kind of like transition. Not, not really a segue. It's more of the transition to the the rapid fire portion of this uh, this afternoon's uh, conversation. But this has been going really well. And I'm going to um, remove all of that with these weird rapid fire questions. So Okay, <laughs> let me get one
1: thing in first. Let Please. me get one thing in first.
0: Please.
1: Is that whenever I start talking about Zora's Den, it takes over everything. But I'm just finishing my third novel as a as a writer Victoria Adams Kennedy so my third novel hopefully will find a home soon and that's what will be coming from me and like i was saying black love is is very high on my list of priorities to write about and uh because of the revolutionary uh, aspect of it and going even deeper in thinking of how it wasn't even always legal for us to love each other. Right. It wasn't even it, it wasn't even always a, a thing where we could even be together, we could even marry or even think about being in a love relationship. You know, it's so it's important to me to show us in loving situations, even if they're toxic, even if they are are, you know, difficult or whatever, it's real life and it's external things that we have to deal with sometimes that have an impact on. What's going on in the relationships that we form? So that's how I write. <laughs> so I just wanted to put that out there.
0: No, I appreciate it, and I think that adds extra um, seasoning to. Yeah, you know?
1: extra seasoning. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I notice the pause there. I had to have to pause there because I, I thought it was just right there. It's just low hanging fruit. Um, thank you. Um, so what I want to do now is. I got like five rapid fire questions for you
1: (laughs) okay i don't think Um, i've ever done rapid fire questions (laughs)
0: they're 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 gonna be fun they're 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 gonna be some might be goofy uh okay and and i've been updating them as we've been talking because i'm like oh you said that (laughs) so i'm gonna put that in there all right all right so here we go here's the first one this is this is a softball and remember brevity is key here brevity is
1: key
0: uh well what is your favorite black love story it could be something that's fictional. It could be something that's real life um, that you're like, oh, OK, no, I really like the way that they um, present their relationship or their love for each other. What is your favorite um, black love story?
1: If I'm going right off the top of my head, I'll have to say their eyes were watching God. Zora Neale Hurston.
0: OK. This is um, this is a segue to that then. Okay. Could you share a work from Zora Neale Hurston that you would suggest for someone who wants to like like do a deep dive, who wants to just get that introductory and they know nothing about Zora Neale Hurston. What would you suggest they check out that's kind of start that mm-hmm. odyssey?
1: It would be that. That's that a- was that was that was my that was that's a kind of easy question to give. Uh but yeah, it would be that. This this month uh Zora's den is going to be reading a story of hers I'd never read before and the, the the central characters are not black i didn't know she had a story like that uh it's called sarah from the suwannee and so yeah that's another one but their eyes were watching god that's the classic okay. classic lore.
0: uh this, this is going to be interesting based on what you were describing earlier about being a night writer uh <laughs> how many hours of sleep do you typically get
1: mm. honestly oh i hope a family member is not listening to this when you when it airs About four hours.
0: (laughs) I hope they do, but we will edit out the four hours part. (laughs) I need everyone to listen. I need all the listeners Yeah, we need everybody
1: to listen. That's okay. They'll just call me after and say, you're crazy. Yeah. So about about four hours.
0: I've been hearing more and more of that recently from the folks I've been interviewing. Like, I get about four hours. I was like, hold up.
1: This has been going on for about 25 years.
0: I'm just getting around (laughs) to getting like seven. I was like working off of six hours for... A while and yeah just this gym thing I think the last
1: time i got long sleep like that was when everybody first went into shutdown mode for covid i just slept like everybody was stuck in blizzard mode <laughs> eat sleep <laughs> eat sleep yeah so that's the last time i slept like that
0: if um <laughs> Do you have like a, a signature within your writing? And, and by that, I mean, like um, some writers have like weird names. Like I know my my partner, she's a writer and uh, and she's like, I have a unique name. Hence, all of my characters need to have like odd or unique names or some people make sure their stories are all set in the same city. Do you have sort of like any like uh, writer sort of like signatures that you have?
1: Right now, everything I've written to date is based in Baltimore or has a relationship to Baltimore or part of it takes place here and then part of it somewhere else. But Baltimore is a very central setting in all of my writing.
0: We got to protect you at all costs then.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I need more content coming like, out of Baltimore. Well, look,
1: Baltimore has to be known for love too. <laughs> 100%.
0: I was a part of this um this project, um what, maybe two years ago um that came out around Valentine's Day where... Man on the street style, we were just giving people their flowers, literally giving wow. them roses on Valentine's Day and showing them that they're appreciated. That oh, was that literally so cool. a thing. Yeah,
1: that is so cool. But yeah, There's so, a video on yeah. YouTube for it. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I do. Um, Baltimore is usually where all my stories take place.
0: Thank you. And uh, so so this is the last one I got for you. Okay. Um, and uh, you can use the word however you want to use it. What is the last gift you received?
1: Hmm, let me think last gift I received last gift I received was actually a bouquet of flowers. Let me see, was that the last? Yes, it was a bouquet of flowers that someone brought to one of the readings. That's great wasn't that sweet? Very yes. sweet actually yeah yes <laughs>
0: I mean, I don't, I, the last gift I got was was uh, was some crackling and I was in New Orleans. <laughs>
1: I was gonna say, where were you?
0: <laughs> that chef I was describing earlier, he yes, was like, he's he like, I got you. I was like, my man, mm-hmm. so and then he came came over with the cracklings with the pork belly. I was like, look, man, let's not even play these games. <laughs> it's like yes. I appreciate it, and you know, more more pointedly, I appreciate you for for spending this time with me and in in chatting with me about your work and your background, uh, Zora's Den, a fire inside, every, you know, all of the you know stuff that that you're working on, and I want to invite and encourage you to. Um, Tell the folks where they can check you out, where they can check out all Absolutely of the things good. that you're working on. The, the floor is yours. And the fire inside, not a fire inside. Okay, that is a band. Fire.
1: Yeah, the fire inside. So if there, there are some people who still use Facebook, I'm one of those people. So you can find me on Facebook at Victoria Adams Kennedy. If you are a black woman writer looking for community, look up Zoras. Then uh, we have a public page on Facebook. You can reach out to me personally and be added to the private page. We have Zora's Den on IG, and I'm on IG as Victoria Adams Kennedy. We have a website, Zora'sDen.com. Uh, look for any updates, and you can join our mailing list.
0: And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Victoria Adams Kennedy for coming on to the podcast and spending the yarn with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, writers, and Black love in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it.